The Blue Gold Report. Irish reporters Todd Burlidge and Mason Plummer get ready for Notre Dame football game day Saturdays only on 1380 The Fan. Welcome to another edition of the Blue Gold Report, the Notre Dame podcast that we hope covers all your needs as far as football and all sports for Notre Dame. My co-host, Mason Plummer, and myself, I'm Todd Burlidge. I'm a contributing writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Mason is a staff writer and recruiting guru for Blue and Gold Illustrated and BlueandGold.com. We're going to break it all down for you. We're going to talk about Notre Dame's very impressive yet rather boring 45-3 win over Pitt. Finally, the wide receiver breaks out, including a Fort Wayne kid, Ben Skoranek. We're going to talk about him. We're going to sort of isolate him a little bit. Number four, Irish now head to Georgia Tech for what should be another cupcake this weekend. And let's face it, folks, all eyes are on the November 7th matchup with number one Clemson, especially with the news of Trevor Lawrence now testing positive for coronavirus. I keep talking about him. Let him introduce himself. Here's Mason Plummer. Yeah, thank you, Todd. My name is Mason Plummer. You can find me on Twitter at Mason Plummer underscore. Loving what I'm doing over with Todd at Blue and Gold Illustrated. We appreciate the folks joining us on Fox Radio Sports Affiliates, AM 1380, The Fan in Fort Wayne, and 100.9 FM. You can find Blue Gold Report by searching wherever you look for your podcast, Blue Gold Report. We will get to everything we've already mentioned, but as we start every show. Gold Rush. The Notre Dame wide receivers can't catch a break at that position group so far this season. Junior Braden Lindsey, who has really struggled with a hamstring injury all season, he left the pit game early, and now he's listed as out for two to four weeks. This comes in the wake of Kevin Austin breaking his foot for a second time. He'll be out at least six weeks, probably for the rest of this season. Former Notre Dame offensive lineman and current Ravens left tackle Ronnie Stanley Friday agreed on a five-year extension worth over $112 million in max total value. According to Ian Rappaport of NFL.com, he gets $70 million in total guaranteed money. Because of the election on Tuesday, the NCAA has mandated that that be a mandatory day off for all NCAA athletes, football programs included. That means for Notre Dame that the Clemson prep will start on Sunday, which is typically Notre Dame's day off. 2018 three-star defensive lineman, defensive tackle, Jamion Franklin, a former Notre Dame player, has entered the transfer portal after redshirting as a true freshman, totaling just four tackles in 2019. He appeared in one game this season, but entered the transfer portal on Thursday. As expected, the ACC officially announced its date for its championship football game. That will be on December 19th, and it will be played at the Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. The game time will be determined on December 7th which also will be whether ABC or ESPN covers that game. Small bit of recruiting news for you here today. California cornerback Sayre Wright, a longtime Notre Dame target, scheduled his Notre Dame visit for December 5th. This will be his second visit to Notre Dame. He's a Rivals 100 player ranked as the 95th best player in the nation, the sixth best cornerback in the country. USC and Stanford are all over him with him being a California kid, but getting him on campus to Notre Dame could be huge for this 2021 class. Gold Rush. All right, we'll move into Pittsburgh. Truly a boring game, you and I, and I think a lot of other folks out there thought it would be a low-scoring game, perhaps a nail-biter as the Pittsburgh-Notre Dame matchup typically is. Didn't happen. 7-3 to Notre Dame, and then the Irish reeled off 38 consecutive points for a 45-3 to final. The good news, Ian Book was much better. 
As a matter of fact, he threw for 300-plus yards. Let me get you his, his exact numbers here. 16 for 30, passing 312 yards, three TDs, at another 40 rushing yards on eight carries. Kind of as expected, the Notre Dame running game, which had featured a 100-yard rusher in each of the first four games of this season, was shut down a little bit, only 115 net yards against the nation's number one rush defense. Something to build on, I suppose, as we start to look to Georgia Tech this weekend. You knew that it was Notre Dame was going to struggle to run the ball. And as you know, Notre Dame's ran the ball very well this season, but you wanted to see them potentially open up the passing game, and that's exactly what Tommy Reese, Ian Book, and Notre Dame offense did. Um, some really great performances from Michael Mayer and Ben Skoranek. It was good to see him uh, get a couple touchdowns there, his first touchdowns of his Notre Dame career, and really spread the ball around a little bit. Yeah, and when you look at what happened the previous week, 12-7 against Louisville, this was certainly a nice road improvement for the Irish. You mentioned Michael Mayer. Five catches, 73 yards, one touchdown, continues his All-American campaign as a freshman. The five catches, as a matter of fact, it tied a freshman tight end record that Cal Rudolph held from 2008 in the game against Stanford. Let's talk a little bit more about Ben Skoranek. Great game for him. Really gave Notre Dame and Ian Book a boost right there in the first quarter with his uh, 34-yard touchdown. Came back with a 73-yard touchdown early in the second quarter that really opened the floodgates for Notre Dame. Just the two catches, but still 107 yards and two TDs. Perhaps the spark at the wide receiver position that Notre Dame's looking for. Because let's face it, Skoranek's been hampered by that hamstring injury. And Ian Book is going to need a downfield target as these injuries continue to mount. So perhaps that's good news looking forward. I think so too, especially when you saw Lindsey pull up with that hamstring injury that Brian Kelly mentioned this week. Probably two to four week absence for Braden Lindsay. Skoranek, he has the burners. I didn't realize yeah, how right. quick he was. He got up and down the field very quickly. He was burning some Pittsburgh corners that I think are some really quality Division One players. You mentioned size. He's 6'3", 224. For comparison's sake, Chase Claypool was 6'4", 229. Skoranek, a Homestead High School graduate there in Fort Wayne, and obviously class of 2016. He was a really an emerging star at Northwestern before his grad transfer to Notre Dame. As a matter of fact, as a sophomore in 2017, he led the Wildcats with 644 yards receiving and five TDs, and he was going to do more of the same as a junior until he was injured, and that's sort of what sidelined him and allowed him to come to Notre Dame. Brian Kelly saw a need when it came to losing Claypool and losing Chris Fink and losing Cole Komet. He was watching that transfer wire closely, very closely, for a guy that sort of fit the mold. An experienced guy, a big guy, a guy that a playmaking type of guy. And he feels like he found it with Ben Skoranek. And actually, here's Brian Kelly talking a little bit more about it. It was clear that, that we were looking for veteran presence, somebody that had played at a high level and uh, competed at a high level. If somebody fit the profile that we were looking for, um, we were in the market for that in a sense um, because we knew we were losing a lot of catches. We were losing a lot of uh, you know guys that had played a lot of football and that we weren't returning a lot of guys. Um, Ian needed somebody that, that played a lot of football, and Ben fit that profile. Um, in terms of who he reminds me of, um, you know, he, he's got a little bit of Boykin in him in a sense that he's rangy, um, will go up and go and get the football, and, and surprisingly um, has more speed than you think. Um, but because by the time you, you know, uh, look, you know, he, he's, he's passed his defender. Um, we missed him on a couple of posts where he beat the corner, uh, and both those corners are pretty darn good. So, 
um, I'd say he's probably the closest comparison um, to a to a Miles Boykin. And we kind of pressed Skoranek himself about his relationship with Ian Book. Those two do seem to be building a chemistry, and it's going to be necessary because Kevin Austin, it does not look like, will be back. This Lindsay thing looks like that's going to nag on and on and on. Here's Ben talking a little bit about his relationship with Ian Book. Ian's just so accurate, so it's easy to be on the same page with him. Um, you know, he rarely misses throws, but... Um, you know, outside of football, um, you know, he's my best friend here at Notre Dame. So we, we do a lot of things together and, um, you know, just, just kind of you know, building that chemistry, you know, off the field as well. So um, I think it all pays off on the field. But, yeah, you know, he, like I said, you know, he's just so accurate. So it's easy for me. Um, I just have to get open. He's going to put the ball on me. It's, it's not so much like timing and all that. You know, when we first started throwing together, um, we just we just clicked. Um so, yeah, you know, I, I love him as a quarterback, and, and I think he's a damn good football player. His value, Mason, is going to become greater and greater as this season goes on. It's pretty apparent. Hopefully he can stay healthy because I do believe he's going to emerge as Ian Book's go-to guy. I think so, too, especially at the wide receiver position. Um, wide receivers have struggled to stay healthy, and then you have guys like Javon McKinley that just can't seem to be able to catch the ball at a consistent rate. Skronik has great hands, and we mentioned the speed before. I think he really could become a go-to target. Like I said, he's sure-handed, and he runs routes really well. He gets great separation to combine with his speed. He's a he's a quality receiver, and he's already turning into be, a, I imagine, a better pickup than Notre Dame even thought they were getting. He fit the criteria for what they were looking for. I don't think what Notre Dame expected was to have all these injuries in front of him. So certainly what was expected to be an insurance policy is now turning into looks like a reliable game-breaker type player. By the numbers. Two. With the 45-3 win over Pittsburgh, Notre Dame was one of only two Power 5 teams last weekend to not allow a touchdown in its game. Northwestern beat Maryland 43-3. 29. 29 straight wins versus unranked opponents for Notre Dame, which tied the school record that Lou Holtz set from 90-94. to That streak of 29 is second only to Alabama, which holds an NCAA record streak of, uh, well, Mason, 94 straight games that dates back to 2007. All right, we'll get to Georgia Tech in a little bit, but let's let's get to the big news of the day. Let's start talking about Clemson and what the Tigers are up against with the news this week that All-American quarterback Trevor Lawrence, the best player in the country, the certain number one draft pick when the 2021 draft comes around, tested positive for coronavirus. He received that positive test result on Thursday, okay? So if you do the timeline, what's required by ACC rules is he would have to sit 10 days. That would actually take him out of the Notre Dame game. But the one caveat here is that that 10-day clock starts when you show symptoms, not when you get your positive test back. That creates a gray area. It's going to be close whether Trevor Lawrence can play against Notre Dame. He'll have to isolate for those 10 days, as I mentioned. He's describing his symptoms as mild. And again, we just don't know when that 10-day clock starts. A little bit of good news for Clemson is they have a fine backup quarterback. He's a true freshman, DJ Wiangalele. I guess, Mason, what was your first reaction when you heard Trevor Lawrence tested positive for COVID at this sort of strange time coming into the Notre Dame game? You have to want Trevor Lawrence to play against Notre Dame. If you, uh, a lot of the fans have been preaching, you know, we, we need the big win. We really need the big win against, you know, a number one, number, you know, top five team in the country, whatever. 
you want to be Clemson at their best, and they're at their best. They're at their best with Trevor Lawrence. If not, it is what it is. This is a weird year. Notre Dame can't be faulted for for Trevor Lawrence testing positive. So I would. I'm with you. I would much rather play a fully loaded Clemson team if that would happen. Really, it's a no win situation for Notre Dame if they get beat by Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. That's not going to look good on the resume. If they beat Clemson without Trevor Lawrence, well. You beat him without Trevor Lawrence. So I, I just think Notre Dame is put in a tough spot here. Obviously, you have to go play the game and do your thing. But I kind of hate it for both teams, Clemson and Notre Dame. Everybody's looking, been looking forward to this matchup, that this is how it goes. But a little bit more on Wien Galele. He was the number one pocket passer in the country last year, so he's no slouch recruit. Came to Clemson as an early enrollee and won that number two spot in fall camp. So far this season, he's 12-19 passing for 102 yards, and he scored twice on the ground. So not a ton of work there for him. Brian Kelly even admitted that after the Louisville game, it was time to start looking towards Clemson here, the marquee matchup. You can't go limping into that game off 12-7 wins over inferior opponents. And so Brian Kelly apparently got his message across with the game against Pitt. But I thought it was very important to bring this up. I've never really heard a coach admit that, yeah, we've been peeking ahead. Not necessarily we're talking about Clemson during Georgia Tech week, but hey, it's out there. Everybody sees the schedule. And here's a little something on Brian Kelly, how he talks about trying to build up to Clemson. First of all, it starts with, you know, our process of understanding, you know, what is our total preparation. And, and, you know, for our guys, they've been incredible. Their will to prepare has been outstanding. And so it can't change, right? We can't all of a sudden say, you know, let's get to Saturday. So uh, doing, you know, embracing our process and and going out there on on Tuesday and and really having a great attitude and, and going through the week and being detailed about our preparation. If we start there um, and continue to do the things that we've done week in and week out for the last you know, three and a half years, that sets us up for us to go and look at the way we played against Pittsburgh with that great energy, that mindset that I want to be a playmaker. So what we want is to add more playmaker uh, uh, mentality uh, to our entire team, offense, defense, and special teams. And, and then you know continue to play fearless. And, and when we say fearless, trusting that all the work that you put in during the week uh, is going to carry you. Let it go. Uh, play fast, play free. After that 12-7 miserable Louisville win, you had to get the ship a little bit righted here for this big game. So I, I kind of appreciate that Brian Kelly's being open about, hey, this is the game we're looking at. We know it. The players know it. So why bury our head in the sand over it? Clemson's the game that Notre Dame fans and I'm sure people within the Google have been talking about for two or three years now, ever since the 2018 game. So this is the game... And you, you come into the season with that highlighted on your schedule. So to act like they're going into Georgia Tech, Louisville, Pitt, whatever game, without thinking about Clemson just isn't true. So uh, I think it's fine to acknowledge that and acknowledge that that's the biggest game on your schedule. You might be the number three team in the nation now, but ultimately nothing matters until next Saturday. You, you're either going to take down number one and potentially replace them, or you're going to lose and drop potentially out of the top ten. That's the big game. That's the highlighted one. Brian Kelly's acknowledging that, letting his team know 
And I think that's the, that's the best course of action for now. And I, I agree with Brian Kelly, too. That's sort of been the focus of his prep. And here he is talking again a little bit more about the Clemson game and what will go into it. I think it's implicit that our guys know who's on the schedule and, and what we have to do to win a championship. Here, here's what I said exactly. The, the acronym WIN is, is what's important now, but it also means what's important next. And um, certainly we're going to prepare the right way uh, for Georgia Tech, and that's what's important now. But but the way you play and how you play um, sets you up for what's next. And what's next is you know what you need to do to win a championship and who you have to play down the road. So that was implicit in, in that conversation without having to say, hey, guys, in a couple of weeks we're playing Clemson. Wink, wink, wink. Um, so we didn't need to do that. Our guys are pretty smart. They're, we've got a schedule up in our, our team room where they look at it every day. So um, I didn't feel like I needed to do that. What I needed to tell them is that just focusing on uh, winning is not enough. It's the way you play the game and the way you compete and at what level you compete at is what translates down the road. So it's sort of funny, Mason, that us reporters, in the days leading up to Georgia Tech, all we want to talk about is Clemson. <laughs> Can't really blame us, I'll say that. I mean, that's the game that we've all had circled, and it really does put a cloud over it when you talk about this Trevor Lawrence situation. I kind of have a sneaky suspicion that Clemson's going to do everything they can to get their quarterback in there, and I hope they do. So now we've skipped over Georgia Tech and went right to Clemson off of Pittsburgh. We better back up a little bit and dive into Georgia Tech. It's a 2-4 and four outfit. Uh, let me start with the nuts and bolts here. It's a Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time game. It's on ABC. It's at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Obviously, they won't have full capacity in there, which is in downtown Atlanta. Really quaint, cool stadium. I think it's 55,000. I was there a couple, I don't know. I think it was back to 2006, I believe, I was there for a game. Pretty cool place. Notre Dame's minus 20 in this thing, so no reason to think the Irish won't get out of here undefeated again, as they have been. The Irish lead this series all-time 28-6-1. They used to play all the time through the 70s, but they've only played five times since 1981. BK, Brian Kelly, has one Georgia Tech matchup on his resume. It's a 30-22 win in 2015 when his Irish were ranked number 8, and actually Georgia Tech was ranked number 14. When you look at the Yellow Jackets, you have to go to the coaching first and foremost. They are truly in a rebuilding mode. After spending 11 years under Coach Paul Johnson running the triple option, which was pretty successful, especially at this level, they won four Coastal Division championships. And in 2014, they actually finished number 8 overall after winning the Orange Bowl. Jeff Collins is in, in his second year taking over to try to transform this from a triple option to a more traditional offensive attack. And trust me, it's a huge overhaul. He went 3-9 and nine as a rookie coach last year. Certainly a lot of growing pains there that were to be expected. He even lost to the Citadel, an FCS program. And he lost 24-2 to Temple, which is the team that he came from. He did manage to build the number 25 recruiting class for 2020, so it looks like folks are a little, at least paying a little bit of attention to him. The two guys to watch for this team, really, both on offense, four-star dual-threat quarterback Jeff Sims and four-star running back Jameer Gibbs. Gibbs was rated the number 70 player in the 2020 recruiting class. That was actually eight spots ahead of Irish running back Chris Tyree. 
little bit of weaponry on offense here, Mason, but man, I just can't see the overall depth of this Georgia Tech team holding up to Notre Dame. I, maybe it's a, maybe it's a letdown game. I don't know. Sims and Gibbs are great players in their own right, but you can't do it all, especially in football with just two players. It's not basketball where two players can just dominate. So uh, Notre Dame has surely has kept their eyes on those two guys, watched a lot of film on them. They'll be able to shut them down, I'm confident. The, the spread is 20 points. This Notre Dame offense has been solid. The Georgia Tech defense has been atrocious. I think Notre Dame won't struggle to score points. It's just going to be uh, staying focused on defense, making sure you're shutting those two guys down. Georgia Tech doesn't have a lot of great receivers. Like, like you mentioned, they ran the triple option until just a couple years ago. Right, exactly. So they didn't really have a need for uh, high-quality receivers. So they, I don't expect them to throw the ball a ton. It's going to be a heavy running game. Uh, but Notre Dame has been able to stop the run at a decent clip, so uh, I think Notre Dame is going to be handled this one pretty pretty comfortably. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. The matchups, as you just laid out, certainly favor Notre Dame, which has become one of the best. I think it's top five right now. Run stoppage defenses in the country. They've done a really nice job there. It's kind of been the identity of this team, which every coach loves. Run the football stop the run. That's always been a formula all, all the way back when I was a kid back in the 1800s. Georgia Tech is 2-4. and four. They beat Florida State and Louisville. A couple teams Notre Dame also beat. Their losses are pretty bad ones. They lost to Central Florida, Syracuse, Clemson 73-7, to and Boston College last week 48-27. Those four losses obviously skewed a little bit by that big Clemson score, but they've still lost those four games by an average of 33 points per. So, the restoration project, the transformation project for Jeff Collins continues. Long way to go. Certainly there's no reason to think Notre Dame will even have any issues in this one. Get in, get out, stay healthy, get ready to go for Clemson. That will take us to predictions, Mason. You start, man. Yeah, I'm going to take Notre Dame, let's see, 52. I'll take 52-17. to 17. I think they'll tack on a late touchdown or field goal. Notre Dame isn't going to struggle to score points. I'm hoping to see Brendan Clark get some action, potentially even Drew Pine in a quarterback for Ian Book. I think you hit it best. Um, you know, get in there, get the job done, stay healthy is going to be the most important thing. If Notre Dame's winning this one comfortably, I'd love to see some backups get in. you got to be as healthy as you can heading into Clemson, and you're already down a couple players that you that you really love to have when you're heading into Clemson next Saturday. So I think you really just got to get the job done. 52-17, Todd. Yeah, I'm I'm close. I have the 17. I don't have quite Notre Dame pouring on that many points, although they very well could. I think in addition to that, stay healthy. Maybe bring down a second jet. So perhaps at halftime you can get your starters on that jet. That's right. Get them the hell out of Atlanta and get them home. Brian Kelly has not been a very welcome guest inside ACC road venues. As a matter of fact, he's 8-1 and one on the road in the conference since 2016, and he's won those eight games by an average of 28.1 points. For all of the same reasons you really gave, Mason, I like Notre Dame 40, Georgia Tech 17. I think perhaps the Irish will call off the dogs a little bit in this one late as they indeed try to rest their starters. Mason, anything we didn't touch on? I think that's it. You can find me at Mason Plummer underscore on Twitter. All my work on blueandgold.com as well as Blue and Gold Illustrated in the magazine as well for the first time actually recently, Todd. And then, uh, yeah, Todd, go ahead. Find me at Todd Burlage. And boy, yeah, I think uh, we're going to have a couple of nice promos. Get on blueandgold.com and check them out. We're going to have some nice promos and we are going to be loaded up previewing this Clemson week because it's going to be a biggie. We'll be on top of it, both from a historic perspective, a current perspective, a future perspective. All roads covered. Mason, thank you very much. Folks, thank you very much. We'll talk to you next week.
Thanks for listening to this exclusive presentation of 1380 The Fan, the Blue Gold Report. And be sure to download the latest edition of the show wherever you download podcasts or go to 1380thefan.com. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.